Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So hello there and welcome to a brand new episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast, a show where we take all of the latest news, gossip and events in the world of Formula One and we relay that back to you for your listening or viewing pleasure, depending on which platform you choose to follow us on. And of course, guys, it is the review of the Spanish Grand Prix and what a race it was eventually won by Sir Lewis Hamilton winning his 98 Grand Prix. A piece of strategic masterclass from the Mercedes team allowed Lewis to go for an unorthodox two-stop strategy to eventually reel in Max Verstappen, who for a long time seemed like he had the race in his grasp. But it wasn't to be for Max. And of course, the result means that Lewis Hamilton has extended his lead to 14 points in the Drivers' Championship over Max Verstappen, who indeed did get the fastest lap and managed to keep it this time, of course, managed to keep it within the track limits. And of course, during this race review, we are joined once again by my co-host, Mr. Courtney Pine. Courtney, how are you doing this afternoon? Hello, everyone. Uh, Doing well. Uh, Looking back at the race, wasn't the most entertaining, but um, certainly made an interesting turn in the championship. Absolutely right. And of course, we are joined by... Uh, somewhat of a familiar face, although I can't recall if this is his first video podcast appearance on the DNF1 podcast. But uh, it's my brother, Luke, or better known as the, one of the hosts of the 1892 Reds podcast. So, of course, if you are a football fan and indeed a Liverpool fan, I definitely recommend that you check out his channel on YouTube. Just go to 1892 Reds podcast for all things Liverpool Football Club. But of course, today he's going to be here to offer his insight on today's Spanish Grand Prix and Formula One. Luke, first of all, how are you doing this afternoon? Thanks for having me on, guys. Um, yeah, it's the first time I've actually been on as a video episode, so it's actually good to get on. Um, it's been a good weekend. Um, obviously, it was a good race in the end. Um, Hamilton picking up a big win for him. Uh, and obviously, seeing Liverpool win yesterday and West Ham lose today. Um, it was a, it's been a good weekend so far for us. So, yeah, all, all looking forward to talking about the race. 
You just couldn't help yourself. Could yeah, you? no, not at all. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna interject. I'm, I'm, I'm so pleased that like a Liverpool fan is like really happy that West Ham lost. It just, it just shows how far we've come as a club. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Less said on that one, the better. Let's talk things Formula One because that's why we're here, of course. But yes, as we've mentioned already, Lewis Hamilton winning the Spanish Grand Prix, as Courtney pointed out, definitely not one for the archives in terms of end-to-end action every lap. But, but I tell you what. It certainly had its moments and could prove to be a key moment in this season's Drivers' World Championship and perhaps the Constructors as well. But of course, let's get into this. Now, we don't normally talk about qualifying, but I think we can make an exception given the occasion and obviously the momentous moment that we saw on Saturday, Lewis Hamilton taking his 100th career pole position. Never been done before. Lewis unlocking the gold skin for the 100th pole position and... Uh, Courtney, I'm going to come to you first on this one. I mean, can you sum up how incredible an achievement like that is? I mean, it's it's never been done before. No one's got anywhere near close to it. Um, Michael Schumacher being the closest after Lewis on 68. I mean, how can we sum up into words what Lewis has achieved in the sport, for the, in particular for qualifying? I think even the biggest fans of Lewis are probably running out of ways to compliment the guy. You know, it's... What he's done, I mean, obviously, he's, he's, he's set a new benchmark for, you know, drivers of the future. Like, 100 pole positions. Like you just, it's just one of those things you have to, like, say over for it to really sink in because he seems to do it almost effortlessly. And given this season that Verstappen in particular seems to have the fastest car on a Saturday, the fact that he's managed to pick up two pole positions already is, is immense. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, of course, we should point out that, as you mentioned already, Courtney, it does seem that there is a balance that we're starting to see this season where Red Bull in particular seems to have the faster car on the Saturday. And despite that, Lewis Hamilton still is able to pull out that lap out of the bag. Granted, probably not the perfect lap, but still able to do a better job than everybody else. It's an incredible achievement on that one. Um, We're going to go into the race, of course. So let's get into that. Uh, whilst we had that footnote on Lewis achieving 100 pole positions. I mean, Total Wolf himself said um, that you can compile all of Lewis's laps and it would make a two-hour feature film. So if there is anybody out there that does have two hours worth of footage of Lewis Hamilton's every single pole lap he's done in his F1 career, please, please, if you feel free to compile all that together, do let me know when you've made it because I would absolutely love to sit down for two hours and watch all of those in use. Of course, sequential order, as as of course, you know, why else would we do any different? But um, let's get into the race itself now. Going into this Grand Prix, of course, Hamilton, pole position, Max Verstappen, second place, Bottas, third. Very, very finely poised for a great race. It always seems to be those three at the front of the field at the start. And of course, those three making the headlines this season. Luke, having seen enough races this season, seeing the same pattern of Hamilton, Verstappen, Bottas, um, did you feel that Max Verstappen was going to be able to overcome the two-on-one Mercedes advantage that, uh, disadvantage that he was facing in this race? Or did you feel that Mercedes, it was inevitable that they were going to be able to use both cars for their strategy today? That's a good point because... I think throughout the race, um, you know, Perez started, what was it, eighth? He started, so obviously Red Bull straight away have got a disadvantage, you know, as a, you know, as a, in the team game, obviously in the longer run during the race. Um, there was, um, I think Martin Brundle picked it up and I think Hamilton must have picked it up during, as he was doing the formation lap. 
there was a lot of rubber on that right side of the track. Um, so it would it, it favoured Verstappen a lot, obviously, at the start. And he got the better start compared to the two. Um, and, and as you see, like, I think throughout the race as it went on, like, you, obviously, they went longer, longer, Red Bull, with Hamilton taking the gamble to pit, and obviously it paid off. But, you know, we're having Bottas in and around that area. Um, it just clearly showed that Mercedes, you know, the gamble did pay off. And you could clearly see if, if Perez was in and around where Bottas was, um, it could have been a little bit maybe different for Red Bull. Maybe their strategy could have been a bit different. But, you know, take nothing away from what Lewis Hamilton did today. Um, I mean, it's just, as as Courtney picked out, it's just that this, this just we're running out of words to, to, to how we're going to talk about Lewis Hamilton how good he is, can he overtake, can he catch um, a, a longer margin? Because let's be real, like 20 seconds with 20 solo laps to go, that's a massive, massive gap to pick. And that Mercedes has always been known not to be the best car to be, you know, trying to, you know, when you, when there's a car in front, like the Mercedes isn't the best car to, you know, catch, like obviously like catch up. So no, nah, um in that sense, yeah, I think maybe Red Bull got it a little bit wrong with the qualifying, but you know, again, take nothing away from Lewis Hamilton. Well deserved victory today. And he's obviously extended his lead in the championship with that. Well, it's a very detailed analysis, Luke. So thank you very much for that. But of course, we're not going to skip. <laughs> too... the family. Yeah, a, a little <laughs> bit. Yeah, I've got to say. Um, we're not going to be skipping too far ahead, of course. We're yeah. going to break this down bit by bit and talk about the key points of this race, particularly the battle at the front. Starting, of course, with the start of the race. Now, Luke, you've already pointed out that, you know, Max very much focusing on laying as much rubber down, cleaning up that right-hand side to get the best getaway possible. Um, the F3 drivers in the earlier feature race were doing the same thing on that side. And Lewis had obviously noticed that that side was a lot cleaner. So he was very much aware of the threat that Verstappen was going to carry off the line. And of course, that turned out to be the case. So Max got a great getaway, went into turn one um, alongside Lewis, probably not a massive amount alongside, but certainly enough to go for the move. And he was very, very bold with that overtake, almost as if he knew that he had to make the move now or risk falling behind Lewis as the race progressed on. And of course, Max, very, very aggressive into turn one and uh, pretty much leaving it all down to Lewis to make sure to avoid him, uh, to avoid an incident. Um, Courtney, how did you see that incident? Did you feel that was about just on the limit of aggressiveness from Max Verstappen that was allowed? Or do you feel perhaps he put too much emphasis on this, on Hamilton to avoid a mistake? I thought we was going to get a repeat of Imola. But what I must say, what I saw in Imola and what we saw at the beginning of this Grand Prix we are seeing more and more the actual mutual respect and trust there are like, there is between these two drivers because I don't think Max Verstappen would have done that with some of the other drivers further down the grid. So I think he knows that with some of the other drivers, it would have been hit by making that move. Because what the way the way that Lewis kind of controlled the car to make sure it doesn't hit Max, but to have the momentum to make sure it does get overtaken, was pretty spot on. And another thing I have noticed is the progress that Mercedes have made with their development. Because coming into this track, honestly thought that Red Bull were going to dominate. I saw Max get ahead and I thought, that I reckon he's going to get away here. But for that Mercedes, you know, like Luke, Luke has already said that Mercedes tend to struggle like, when they're behind. But actually, given what we thought could have been a Red Bull circuit, we saw the Mercedes actually keeping up with Max. And actually, towards the end of that first stint, Max was struggling and Lewis almost got the overtake. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I was going to ask this question at some point in this episode, but seeing as you brought it up, I'll ask it now. Um, we've obviously established and already said that the Red Bull seems to be the better car in qualifying, at least at most circuits that we're going to see this year. Um, and, and despite the fact that a lot of us, including myself, felt that Red Bull, this was a track where Red Bull would fancy a winning this race, it does seem that now we kind of have a good idea that Mercedes seems to have a much better race car, at least in terms of what they can do with their race car versus what the Red Bull do. do you, would you agree that that seems to be where we are now, whereas Red Bull have the qualifying car, Mercedes definitely have the race car? Well, yeah, they're getting closer and closer. But even if you have a look at Imola, before Lewis's accident in, in the rain, he was keeping up with Max. And we, I reckon going into, that, going into the end of that race, I reckon we could have been in a similar situation as we saw in Spain. So, yes, Mercedes have made improvements. They seem to be becoming more knowledgeable with the car. But it's certainly becoming noticeable that Mercedes have the better car on the Sundays. It's very, um, very like, reminiscent of the Ferrari in like, 2017, 2018, mm. where Mercedes had the advantage on the Saturday. But generally speaking, the Ferraris had the faster car on the Sunday. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing exactly there. But um, yeah, it's a very good analogy. Uh, it definitely reminds me of that. And that's something that Red Bull are going to have to keep an eye on now because they set up the car for Verstappen on Saturday to have a, a bit less downforce at the front to kind of give him a bit more straight lines. I think they went with that today to try and fend off Lewis, but ultimately it didn't work out the way that race one went on. But um, as I said, the, let's talk about the first incident of this race because Max and Lewis were very much getting away from everyone else. You could see that Max getting away, Lewis holding on to him. Charles Leclerc, of course, getting ahead of Valtteri Bottas. Now, of course, we're going to talk about Bottas's race, so we won't dwell on that too much. But let's move forward to the safety car that came out. Yuki Tsunoda, of course, caused that with some electrical issues with his car, which caused it to shut down, which brought out the safety car. At, at this point in the race, Luke, did you feel that anyone should try at the front should try and make a pit stop to try and get rid of those softer tyres and perhaps go for a different strategy today? I was surprised Max didn't, to be quite honest with you. Um, I know he had the race lead and of course, like, you know, coming into the pit stops, you know, where is he going to come back out? More than likely, it would have been towards the back of the grid. But I think I was surprised a little bit they didn't because of the, the soft tyres, you know, they're, you know, they'd have gone away a bit, obviously more than a medium tyres, of course. But I think at the same time, like where Red Bull had won that first initial battle at the start, um, I don't think Red Bull were really interested to give away track position because, as you said, and as you pointed out, and I agree, Mercedes on a Sunday had the, the quicker car during race pace. And you see during that sort of first, you know, moments of the race before the safety car came out, when Lewis was within a second behind Verstappen, he was always getting caught out with that dirty air. So maybe Red Bull didn't want to take the risk just there, but in that, in that sense, probably, you know, it's probably, it was the right decision. Uh, and obviously when the safety car went back into the pits, you know, Harry got away, you know, he went out to that penultimate corner, like, you know, the, the S, like, you know, the the S corner before that last corner, Harry just got away, you know, was just, was brilliant for Verstappen to build that gap again, obviously, going into that first round of pit stop. So, yeah, probably the right decision at the time, but maybe a little bit surprised. Possibly someone else, Daniel, would have, could have took a gamble, but, you know, it, it didn't happen. So that was that, really. 
Yeah, I mean, we saw the two Williamses, of course, double stacking to try and, uh, and change the strategy. And ultimately that paid off from a little bit. Um, but they were really battling with the Haases at the, at the time. So, of course, we'll get into that a little bit later on. It's not much of a victory for them, if you like. But, of course, as you mentioned, Luke, yeah, it was a great restart from Max Verstappen. Got away at the right time. Um, he's had to do that a few times this season. He seems to be managing that rather well. It's it's strange because usually this is the sort of thing we'd associate with Lewis Hamilton, Corny, but I can't recall this season Lewis actually leading a race when the safety car has been out and he's had to do that, at least from memory. I think Bottas has done it and I think Max has had to do it twice himself. Well, yeah, it highlights the fact that Max Verstappen is and will continue to be there the moment Lewis isn't on point. And it does seem that Lewis is relishing the challenge he knows he knows that if he isn't if he isn't if he isn't in form then Max will be taking the win and continuing to put pressure on him but I, I said this in the last episode it, it just seems that Lewis has polished his his racecraft and I just it's, it seems on a Sunday Max is Max or Red Bull gonna have to find something a little bit extra to beat them and like to beat Lewis and Mercedes in his championship yeah, absolutely. And with that in mind, let's fast forward to obviously the big, big moment in this race. Of course, both drivers did their stops. This was kind of triggered by Valtteri Bottas making his first stop of the race to try and undercut Charles Leclerc at Ferrari, which of course it worked because Ferrari decided to keep Charles out probably in their mind while Charles got a great start to get into P3 and he did brilliantly to keep Bottas back in that first stint, given how difficult it is to overtake at Spain. I was worried that Ferrari were going to be like sitting ducks with their power deficit, but it wasn't to be today. Um, they obviously knew that they weren't really going to be competing with Bottas in that second stint. So they were just quite happy to let him go, knowing that they could probably keep hold of fourth and manage their race, which effectively they did. Um, so, you know, this ended up bringing up other people making pit stops. Lando Norris obviously went for an early stop. Ricardo Perez followed as well, uh, eventually. Then, of course, Max Verstappen reacted. And it did seem that Max was pretty much running out of tyres. I mean, Lewis was literally on him by the time Max went in. Max made his pit stop. But interestingly enough, Lewis Hamilton decided to stay out a bit longer. And he felt comfortable enough with the tyres to kind of stretch this stint out. Um Courtney, did you feel that this was the wrong decision at the time for Mercedes to make? Do you feel that they should have just reacted to Max to keep the pressure on him? Or did you feel like perhaps this may benefit Lewis later on as he may have fresher tyres at that point? Well, yeah, watching on as a fan, I thought it was the wrong idea, but that's exactly why I'm not a Formula One strategist. It seems <laughs> that yet again, the Mercedes strategy strategists are doing a great job, even though Mercedes did seem to be the better car on track. So obviously that made the strategy a bit easier for them. But the fact they didn't just knee jerk, I think nothing worth remembering. We have noticed again that Red Bull are faster pit stops. So I think Mercedes have to bear that in mind when they come up with their strategy. So I think a knee jerk reaction, because obviously they didn't know that Max Verstappen was going to, like, there was going to be an error in his pit stop. So with that in mind, Mercedes have to rethink it because they know, they know that it's a lot more difficult for them to overtake Red Bull with a knee jerk, given that Red Bull have faster pit stops. Mm. And and today in particular was a rare occasion where Red Bull weren't perfect with their pit stops. Uh, it was a uh, 4.2 seconds, which is notoriously slow in Formula One, let alone for Red Bull. That's about two seconds slower than what they normally do at their pit stops. And that's that's still incredibly good. Um, uh, Dr. Helmut Marco put that down to a communication issue. Apparently, Max 
was supposed to have come in at that time, but there was a communication issue with the mechanics. So obviously, that's why they were a bit late, especially with that left rear tyre, the mechanic running around the back of the car with the tyre in his hands, not ready to put it on the car. So that's why they lost that time. Um, let's move on to the second stop. And of course, we had that stint where Lewis was behind Max. He was staying on his tail. But again, he got into that window where he was about a second behind Max, stuck in the turbulent air, and he just couldn't seem to find a way to breeze past the red ball so mercedes decided to flip the switch on this one they brought lewis in at a time where he was very close to max and might have been able to overtake him at that point he even said it himself but they brought lewis in uh, to go for a bit of a different strategy now for those of you that won't remember the 2019 hungarian grand prix mercedes did a very very similar thing and they brought lewis in to go for a two-stop and then get Lewis to come out on much fresher tyres and then hunt down Max Verstappen. At this point, Luke, given what I've just said about Hungary, where they did this before and pulled this off, and in a probably much stronger car compared to their competition than they did this season, do you, did you feel that Mercedes had made a mistake or that Lewis had missed his best opportunity? Or did you feel that the inevitable feeling that I think I got when I saw this, and that was, oh, I think Mercedes have done Red Bull here with this. How did you feel about that? I kind of thought a bit of both. I thought they made the right decision, but they didn't. The only reason I felt they made the wrong decision at the time was just because that was the closest that Lewis had actually got to Max before he'd actually went in the pits. It was only around half a second. So, you know, he gets a good exit out of the corner. If he stays out, I expect Lewis to pass him. I mean, the only thing you could mention in that regard was, I think it was Latifi in front of Verstappen. So, I mean, Max would have had DRS with, with Latifi. So that could have, kept him out but anyways obviously that didn't happen but when he went into the pits Lewis it was obviously a bold move to to try that I, I just felt that because of the turbulent area he had so much problems in the first half of the race trying to, to get past him I just felt Mercedes you know playing the mind games you know they did it obviously in the first round of pit stops by keeping Lewis out when Max had pitted so you know Mercedes are, you know I, I, I hear at the time of Ferrari um, with Leclerc, we're going plan B and then we're going plan C. Like, I think that's Mercedes, but they obviously just don't obviously go ahead with all that. But I think when, when Lewis pitted the second time round, Max had to pit. He had to. And for me, keeping Verstappen out was a very brave, but I also think a very, very silly decision from Red Bull, um, considering what had happened, obviously, earlier in the race with the pit stop scenarios. Um, I think if they pick Max Verstappen, I think he'll win the race, to be honest. Um, but yeah, obviously they didn't. Um, and obviously Lewis took full advantage because I think there was a moment where I think he was around three to four seconds behind. And then um, they said about the tyre, uh, Lewis was saying about his tyres were going. And then I can't remember who it was. Um, I can't remember his name, Lewis's engineer. He come out. Oh, Bono. Bono, oh, that's it. Yeah. Um, he come out and said, um, you know, yeah, your tyres might be fading away but Max's will be absolutely worse so it's like you know Mercedes got that one right so yeah I, in my opinion I think the second round of pit stops I think Max should have definitely pitted the lap after Lewis came in yeah definitely I mean there was there seemed to be a window that at the time it seemed like Mercedes have got them here and that this is going to happen again like it did in Hungary 2019 and that's what everyone was saying but there did seem to be one lap that Red Bull had where they could have covered Lewis off. And at the very least, they'd have to go after Valtteri Bottas and then perform the overtake themselves. Corny, did you see it that way as well? Did you feel that 
first of all, Mercedes had played a masterstroke at this point, trying to do what they did in Hungary 2019. And if so, do you feel that Red Bull had a lap to react or do you feel that, you know, perhaps it was, you know, Mercedes had pulled the trigger and there was nothing that Red Bull could do? I fully agree with what Luke said about the gap. You know, even the most confident Lewis Hamilton fan has seen over 20, over 20 seconds. That's going to be a lot of work to do. But what I am noticing with the, like the trend of this season is that we've all discussed that Mercedes are faster overall on a Sunday. But the advantage that Mercedes has seems to be larger the harder the tyre. So on the medium tyre, Lewis was ridiculously faster. And he had the advantage, you know, he put on another set of mediums. So Mercedes had the clear pace advantage, particularly with the mediums. So again, it just made the strategy a lot easier for them. Yeah, no, absolutely right. But of course, as you mentioned, that gap, it was going down all the time. Max was encountering traffic, wasn't able to clear it as quick as he could. Of course, Hamilton had that very scary moment with the Mercedes where Bottas was told that Lewis was there and you'd expect Bottas to just get out of the way, but he didn't do it. If anything, he was actually defending his position uh, at turn 10, which was quite a surprise for a lot of people. We thought both Mercedes are going to collide here. They're trying to win a race, um, but it didn't happen. And of course, Hamilton caught Verstappen, brilliant move around the outside of turn one. It was nothing really Max could do to defend. And the writing was on the wall. Hamilton obviously going home to win the Spanish Grand Prix, his 98th win of his Formula One career. He's getting close to that 100th win. It seems it could happen in Azerbaijan at this rate, which will be the uh, Grand Prix after Monaco, which is where we're going next. So by the end of the month, yeah, Lewis Hamilton could have won Ace hundredth race in Azerbaijan of all places, a strange place to win it. But nonetheless, of course, an incredible achievement. Um, as a summary, guys, I've got to say that this, for me, was a day where I think Red Bull felt that they needed to respond to what happened in Portimao. And I think the cold, hard truth is, are we already starting to see that, you know, take strategy and everything else out of the the, uh, the equation that Lewis may just have everything that he needs right now to be the dominant force in this season's championship? Or do you feel that there is still plenty that Red Bull can do to turn things around in their favour? Courtney, I'm going to come to you first on this one. Uh, a couple of things, yeah, need to be considered. We've still got, what, 19 races to go, like barring any cancellations. And another thing definitely worth considering is Red Bull have a big decision to make? Are they going to continue with a, in a development war with Mercedes? Or are they going to focus on next season? If they were to mainly focus on next season, like shall we say Ferrari are, I'd give Mercedes the championship. But given there might be a hunger within Red Bull to compete, I can't see them finding a tail just yet. But Monaco will be an interesting one. I think if Lewis wins in Monaco and gets, you know, within that sort of 25 you know, sort of like DNF comfort zone, then it's going to be quite difficult for Max to come back from that. Mm. And on the subject of Max Verstappen, Courtney, as a, an additional question in this regard, how must he be feeling right now? Because for argument's sake, the only real mistake that he's probably made this season, if we don't include Bahrain round the outside of turn one, let's say, oh, sorry, turn four, I should say, let's say the track limit stuff, let's forget that. But other than the mistakes he made at Portimao, you could probably argue that, Max hasn't really done much wrong so far this season, other than very, very, very minor things, which you can say happens to anybody. But is he starting to get this frustration building up inside of him where he feels that he needs his team 
to really deliver for him on strategy, on pit stops and producing the best car that they can to give him the chance to beat Hamilton and Mercedes. Because right now, I think we're seeing a perfect combination, as we've known for the last seven years, between Hamilton and Mercedes, whereas Red Bull, we're either seeing the team do well and the driver not do well, or the driver do well and the team not do well. There's just not that synergy going on right now. Well, you must have mixed feelings because yeah, there's also that frustration. It's all, also, they might be feeling like so close, but so far with some of these like, incidents. But at the same time, let's not forget how much of a step forward Red Bull have made. Yes, the slight regulation changes have helped, but Mercedes were in a class of their own last season. So for Red Bull to come back and Honda, Honda have done great work with their performance to give them that edge on a Saturday. So Max has a package that can at least, you know, put him in a position to challenge. It's just a case of where Red Bull go with their development. But I think overall, Max must be happy about the season that started. Mm, I know, absolutely. Um, you know, I think if there's someone that said to you, you'd have won a race and been in contention for pretty much every single race, but only been beat by Lewis, then I think he'd have been happy. But given how this season started for Red Bull, where it looked like they've got the car to win the championship, it does seem right now that that may not necessarily be the case anymore. Luke, Luke, where do you see this? Do you feel that Red Bull perhaps are running out of time already to give Max what he needs to win this championship? Or do you feel that there's still plenty of time for them to overcome Mercedes, who, for lack of a better way to put it, seem formidable right now with Lewis Hamilton? There's still plenty of time. Of course there is. I mean, we're only, what, four races in. I mean, it's, you know, it's a, it's a long, long season. Obviously, as Courtney, as Courtney mentioned, you know, Hopefully there's no cancellations because we want a full season. Um, I think Red Bull, uh, again, agreeing what you guys said, I think Red Bull have made huge steps this year to be able to compete with Mercedes. And it makes it makes the sport so much better as well, seeing that extra, you know, the two different power engines and two different teams up against each other fighting for a championship. Lewis Hamilton, of course, is going to be the favourite. He's going to be the man to beat. But I still expect Max Verstappen to come back. And and as point as you said, Adam, I, I can't forget. You know, you you said about Lewis having that perfect combination. I mean, you've got your teammate that gets on the team radio. Okay, Jack, it's James. You know, like let let Lewis. <laughs> obviously, that didn't happen today. But it, I think it, I, I'm just going back to that incident. I just think maybe Bottas made it look better. So Lewis, it was kind of half and half. Like Lewis overtook him, but at the same time, you know, sort of peeled off a little bit. Um, but apart from that. I mean, going back to what you said about the championship side of it, I expect Red Bull to be strong at Monaco. Um, it's definitely going to be, for me, a track that will favour them. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's it's one of those, if, if Max has a bad day at re a retirement and Lewis obviously picks up the pieces, because let's be real, like Lewis Hamilton is the best at, you know, when situations arise, you know, it could be a safety car, could be a strategy change. Lewis is the best and that's why, He's won so many world titles in this era. So it's really important now that Red Bull win this next mini battle at Monaco, or it could be a long, well, it could be a lot harder for them to get back into the championship, moving into that sort of next period of races. Yeah, no, absolutely. Now, of course, we've, We've been on quite a while with this first part of the race review, but let's talk about the number two drivers at those respective teams briefly before we move on to the others. Um, Bottas' race today, Courtney, how would you sum up Bottas' race today? Because eventually he did get that P3 and he probably was quite a factor in Hamilton winning this race, um, not necessarily holding him up a bit, but the fact that by him being there, Red Bull weren't exactly able to 
um, how would you say, proactively go for the strategy Mercedes went for before Lewis did because of the fear that he'd have to overtake another Mercedes. What would your thought be on that and Bottas's race in general? Well, yeah, he's been the perfect number two driver, but for him personally, he doesn't want that. And the frustration is really starting to show. He knows that he's there's a good like a good chance he's going to lose his seat. And as Lucas already stated, the way that he behaved in terms of uh, with Lewis, like so, one he's 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 either refused to listen to team orders, or he's tried to save face with the way that he's tried not to make it look like so obvious that it's happened. So Valtteri Bottas is starting to seem like a man that is sort of low confidence. Maybe he's already been told that he's going to be leaving. There's definitely been a change in mentality with him. But he's doing a job for the team. But again, he, he, he doesn't want to be a number two driver. Every, every single driver that comes into Formula 1, they want to be champions. So for him to be seen as a perfect wingman, it must be demoralising for him. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and that phrase has been often said about Valtteri Bottas ever since Toto Wolff said it a few years ago. Um, whether he truly believes that or not is a different thing. But I think we're seeing the value of having a driver like Valtteri Bottas in there as a rear gunner to Lewis. Did not necessarily being directly trying to fight Max Verstappen, the enemy, if you like, as he did in Portimao. Of course, that was good for Mercedes. But being in a position today where, despite the poor start and being stuck behind the Ferrari and all that first in, when he was in clear air, he was close enough to the leaders to stop Red Bull trying to do what Mercedes eventually did because Mercedes knew there was only one car they really needed to overtake, and that was Max Verstappen, where, of course, Red Bull didn't have that luxury today. And... I bring this up as a relevant point because Red Bull have signed Sergio Perez with the idea that he was going to be for them what Bottas is for Mercedes. And as of yet, despite, you know, the room that we have to give or the space we have to give Perez, knowing that, um, you know, eventually he's going to come good. But that may be too late to wait on that happening. And today we saw that again, you know, Perez not didn't really qualify well this weekend. Of course, he was eighth, I believe he was, you know, very poor qualifying, got stuck in the midfield. Eventually, when he managed to get free of Daniel Ricciardo, who he seemed to be stuck behind most of the race, he was nowhere near Charles Leclerc, let alone the top three. So are Red Bull worried right now that on top of the fact they may not have the car on the Sunday to beat Mercedes outright, but they clearly right now don't have a number two driver that can do for them, what Bottas is doing for Mercedes. Luke, I'm going to ask you on that one, um, Red Bull, how they feel about what Perez is doing right now. It, I think Sergio Perez, if, you, if you're comparing it to number two drivers at Red Bull over you know, the last, say in the, in the turbo hybrid, hybrid era, I think he's probably been the best number two for a recent long while. Um, I know it's early on and I know today obviously wasn't, or this weekend wasn't his greatest weekend. Um, we know how hard it is to, to get back up the field and overtake in Spain. But I think it is, we always mention about what is it with this number two driver at Red Bull? Like why, why are they not able to, you know, help Max Verstappen or help the team push on to get them victories? Because I don't, I don't think we've seen it with Red Bull since the days when, you know, when Vettel was there and Vettel was dominating, you know, Mark Webber and Ricardo were, were very good teammates with Sebastian Vettel. Um, you know, ever since Sebastian went to Ferrari, Red Bull have had this, you know, downward spiral where they've not been able to have both drivers always competing at the top. Um, they've tried it with, I mean, off the top of my head, 
obviously it wasn't really well for Alex Albon, you know, for example. Um, I mean, I can't remember the obviously some other drivers at Red Bull, like Danny Kvyat. Um, you know, Red Bull have tried everything really for me. I, I think Perez is probably the best driver on the grid to have at the moment as that regard. But if it doesn't work this season, I mean, in my opinion, go and sign Valtteri Bottas because, you know, if that's if Bottas is a good number two driver and that's what you need, um, in my opinion, it will come available next season, as Courtney said. So hopefully Monaco, as I, as I mentioned before, it will be a, a better race for Red Bull. So Perez might be a bit further up the order next week. Yeah, I mean, it's worth talking about because of, you know, as I said, we've got to give Perez leniency because he's still learning his way and he still believes that the car is very much driving him rather than the other way around. But I think to help his cause and to help what Red Bull are trying to do with Max, they do need their number two driver up there from the start, even if pace wise, he's not up there with the top three being a solid fourth and being in a position where he could affect the strategy in the way that boss has did today. I mean, who's to say if Perez wasn't in fourth, say, I don't know, five seconds behind Valtteri Bottas today, which is where pretty reasonable to suspect he'd probably be that far behind. I don't think Mercedes would have pulled the trigger on Lewis today. They might've done, but I don't, I think they would have had to think about that one a lot more. So Courtney, if there's one area that Perez needs to really improve on in the short term, where would you feel that would be? Now, I've been thinking as you two have been speaking on this topic. And I wonder, I think it's fairly well known that Red Bull, the car is set up to suit Max Verstappen. Because obviously he's a star guy. He's clearly one of the most talented drivers on the grid. But we've seen now, what, three, four teammates and they all seem to be faltering. I've just wonder if Red Bull are setting the car up to suit Max Verstappen. So like, it's so much on Max Verstappen's side that it could actually be harming the setup for the team overall because Perez is a very, very competent driver. He's known for great tyre preservation and he's been, he, this season he's become an average driver. So maybe something, maybe that's something Red Bull need to look into when setting up the car that maybe it's a little bit more even to suit both drivers rather than favouring Max. Maybe. I mean, I'm kind of leaning towards uh, something that Perez can do himself. I think qualifying has to be the area that he yeah. has to improve on because with this current set of regulations that we've had for the last seven or eight years, qualifying has been so important. And that if you qualify well, chances are you're going to get a good result in the race. And that Red Bull comfortably, at very, very least, should be finishing in the top four. So if Perez manages to qualify better, and we know he can because he did it at Imola, he got on the front row there. Of course, the race went completely to pot afterwards, but if he can regularly qualify in those top four positions, that will be what Red Bull need. You know, he doesn't necessarily need to be fighting with Hamilton or Verstappen or Bottas, but just being there to be able to affect Mercedes' strategy in the way Albon did at Abu Dhabi last year. You know, that, that that was what Red Bull, I think, have been looking for in a number two driver, the sort of thing that Bottas does regularly for Mercedes. And I think if they can get that in Perez, where he ups his performance in qualifying, which he's going to have to, that will go a long way this season for Red Bull. But as it stands right now, it does seem that until Perez gets up to that level with the likes of Verstappen and the two Mercedes, that Max is pretty much fighting the two Mercs on his own at the moment. I think that's what we feared in this championship, that that may happen sooner rather than later. Um I'm going to move this on because, you know, we're going to be here all night talking about these four guys. And as much as we'd love to, 
I'm sure, you know, neither of us want to be here every all day. Um, let's move on to some of the other races that was going on today. Let's talk about Ferrari. Now, Charles Leclerc has been pretty much one of the big unknown, well, not unknown, but one of the big silent stars this season. Um, regularly in the top four in qualifying. I think this is the third time he qualified in the top four and he had a great start today. Got ahead of Bottas, ran a very solid first stint. And I think himself and Ferrari knew that it would have taken it would have took some doing to finish in the top three today. But he come home P4 in the end, very, very much ahead of Sergio Perez to remove that threat. Courtney, how would you sum up Charles Leclerc's performance, not just today, but this season in general? Well, particularly today, it's um, an example of a driver getting the best out of the package he's been given. It looks like Ferrari have made some gains. It could partially be down to the uh, the setup of the track. But certainly, that was the best that Leclerc could do. Um, and that could give him some confidence going into Monaco because seems, he seems to be cursed in his own Grand Prix. So if Ferrari sort of carry on in the level that they are and they take that package to Monaco, I reckon he'd be very, very happy going to his Grand Prix in that kind of position. Yeah, very much so. And I personally feel, you know, as I said, I'm a Ferrari fan, so it may sound a little bit biased in this regard. But I think today we saw something that I feel that I, that is something that I've known or I believe is the case this season is that if you take all the engines out of the cars and you judge them based on the chassis and the car performance as a whole, I think Ferrari probably have the best package of everybody else, ex- excluding the top two. Um, you know, there are so many different factors all the teams have. McLaren have a very strong car too, but I feel that like that Mercedes engine does tip the overall package performance in their favour. But I feel like the cars, you take the engine out, I think Ferrari have upgraded their car to a degree where they probably have the best car in the midfield. And I think Charles is doing a great job this season and I think he's continuing that today um the, Carlos Sainz a bit of a mixed bag for him today I think he qualified relatively well in the top six um got bogged down at the start but he went about his race relatively well and eventually he managed to get himself into P7 um he wasn't able to get Ricardo in the end so I think he'd be a little bit disappointed but overall another solid day for Carlos Sainz um Luke how would you judge Carlos Sainz's start to his Ferrari career yeah, I think I think Carlos Sainz is a steady driver. I, I've always rated him, you know, whilst he was at McLaren, you know, his his older days back in was it Toro Rosso? I think he was at when he first started. Um, I think he's a very good teammate to be alongside Charles Leclerc. Um, I mean, big respect to him today. I think Leclerc was fantastic for me. I think he was probably the driver of the day in my opinion. Um, I think what he's getting out of that Ferrari, we all know Ferrari have not got the best car in the world. Um, they're a lot better than what they were last season. But I do think that Carlos Sainz is definitely someone that Ferrari have got, which, you know, looking to next season, if Ferrari are going to be back up there or there and abouts, I think the team that they've got, you know, Sainz especially and Leclerc, I think Ferrari are, are going to do very well this season. Um, yeah, I think Sainz was a little bit unlucky at the start, going down a few places. But, you know, Ferrari, they had a good strategy today, you know, to get Sainz back up into a position where, I think he'll take. Um, we've, I mean, Adam. I know we've watched races before. And we've seen Ferrari always getting strategies wrong. Um, you know, in winning positions and sometimes in positions where they need to catch the cars in front, and that's not obviously worked. But I do think that Sainz has had a good, steady start to his life at Ferrari, and 
yeah, I mean, it could be another good weekend for them at Monaco. So, yeah, I think Signs and I think Signs should be quite happy with his performance today. Yeah, absolutely. And um, Courtney, obviously, you know, care to share some thoughts on this because now Ferrari have had a very strong weekend today, and they're now five points behind McLaren in the constructors' championship. It does seem that those two teams in particular are the class of the midfield. Um, how would you judge Carlos Sainz's day today at Ferrari? No, I fully agree about Carlos Sainz that it seems that Ferrari have a very good um, pair in there. So if they do really well with these um, regulation changes, they could be in a great position. Um, and again, yeah, going and going into Monaco, I think they should be uh, quite happy with their chances. Um, going into Monaco, the performance, sort of just the raw performance of the car isn't as important because it's a street circuit, a very tight street circuit at that. So Monaco could be a big opportunity for Ferrari to pick up some serious, serious points. And if there's a messy race, they could be in a run for a podium. Absolutely. I mean, I've said that Charles could get a podium sooner rather than later. And I think he's been very close. A race like Monaco, if he nails it in qualifying and keeps his nose clean, which has been harder for him to do than it has been in previous years, there's every chance it could happen. So we'll have to wait and see. Let's talk about McLaren. Um, a brilliant start to the season that McLaren have had. Obviously, you know, a lot of stuff going on with their car. They've done a great job to integrate this new Mercedes engine with the limitations that they face to produce a very, very competitive package. I still feel the overall package still the best of the rest, just ahead of Ferrari when we take all that into consideration. Um, Daniel Ricciardo had a, I'd say he's probably his best weekend for McLaren. I mean, he's pretty a little bit disappointed that he fell away from the likes of Leclerc and wasn't able to keep up with Perez in the end. But overall, I think a solid performance from Daniel Ricciardo. Um, Courtney, are we seeing step-by-step um, step more improvements that Daniel's making and perhaps we're starting to see Daniel feeling at one with the McLaren? Well, yeah, I've said previously, I think it's only a matter of time before uh, Daniel Ricciardo gets to grips of the car. Um, today was certainly a good start for him. We have a quite a weekend for Lando, but at the end of the day, these these guys are all human. They can't be on top form, well, unless you're Lewis Hamilton or Max Verstappen, that is. <laughs> You can't be on. You can't be on top form every single week, and I think McLaren are another team. You know, we just said about um, Carlos and Charles. I think McLaren have another solid driver pairing. I, I just get the feeling in the coming years. I think uh, Ferrari and McLaren r- really do have the possibility to be going right up to the top, given the development of the cars seems to be going in the right direction, particularly new regulations. And again. They've just got they've just got two very competent driver pairings. So again, I think if both of these teams carry on going the way they are, I think they could be in the mix with these big regulation changes that are coming. Absolutely. And and right to point out with Lando Norris, it, it wasn't really the best weekend for him. It was, I suppose, best way of putting it, not bad, but tepid compared to where how good he's been so far this season. You'd almost say he seemed a little bit out of place, but you know. Given the start that Lando's had this season, I think we can forgive him for a weekend where he wasn't spectacular. You know, he was good, but just not his weekend. So, you know, I'm sure he'll come back strong in Monaco and plenty of races in the future. But it's really shaping up this battle between Ferrari and McLaren, I must say. Um, Luke, how would you judge McLaren's weekend and also the starts of the season so far? I think McLaren, again, I think the end of last season, they, they, they finished off really well. I think, was it Sainz picked up a podium near the end of last season? Uh, was it the season before? I can't remember. But, you know, like, I think McLaren race by race are getting stronger and stronger. Um, Ricardo again, I, I agree with what Courtney said. I think it was probably his best re- his best weekend for McLaren. Um, 
I mean, Norris was just going around as a Sunday drive today, to be quite honest with you. I just don't think it was, you know, the. It, I don't think the car, he didn't, for me, you know, sort to the, to the circuit with the car that he had today. But, you know, it's a points finish. Um, I think he's, he what, fourth in the championship. I think he's a few points in front of Leclerc. Mm. Um, you know, like the, both McLaren's have made a good start to the season. Lando Norris, especially as well, again. Um, it raises the debate again for next year whether I expect Norris to stay at McLaren, but you know, if McLaren with you know Ferrari coming forward with that big midfield battle, if they decide next year if they're going to be competing a bit further up, you know, Norris is going to be the main person going into that battle. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, apart from that, I think McLaren have done pretty well this weekend anyway. Double points finish, you can't really complain with that. No, absolutely. And in the end, sixth and eighth is not necessarily bad, even though your rivals, Ferrari, are seventh and fourth. You know, that, that happens. And McLaren have had the better results so far this season than Ferrari had. So I don't think they'll mind too much today, as long as they can obviously put things right in their favour. But it's really, really good to see those two teams in particular battling each other. We just wished it would be for the top positions rather than third. But I'm sure 2022 will bring up more of those surprises next season. Uh, let's move on to Alpine. Very, very mixed day for them. Um, Esteban Ocon, brilliant, brilliant qualifying from him to get fifth place. But it seems that the race pace of the Alpine isn't really where perhaps it was in Portimao by comparison. Um, They've certainly made a step forward, but it does seem that they are probably the next best team after McLaren and Ferrari. Um, Corny, what would you make of Esteban Ocon's day? Because he started off relatively well, um, got a decent start. He was really fighting away with the likes of Ricardo and Sainz and Perez. But as the race went on, it did seem to fall away. And eventually he did get caught by Lando Norris. Um, and they managed to hold on to ninth position for Alpine. Would you say that was a good result for Ocon today? Yeah, because to be honest, I think that's where Alpine are as a team. Like it was very encouraging from last week, but they seem to have fallen back again. And what we're probably starting to see here is a four-tier system in this year's championship. Mercedes and Red Bull at the top. Then you have McLaren and Ferrari, generally speaking. And then you've got this gaggle of midfield teams in the third tier, Alpine being one of them, and then Haas at the very back. Because we saw towards the end of the race how you had like four or five cars from... Uh, three or four different teams battling that flat final flat final point. So it seems that that lower end, that midfield, it sort of seemed to be very, very close performance-wise. And look, at the end of the day, it's going to give us more entertaining racing. So it's all good. Mm, absolutely. And Esteban Ocon doing a great job once again. I mean, we've said mm. for a few weeks now that Ocon has had to raise his game this season and we've seen hallmarks of that. But it seems the last couple of races, he started to become a more of a prominent figure in the Grand Prix for good reasons. And... I suppose it would be fair to say right now he is single-handedly flying the flag for the Alpine team, which is exactly what he needs to do. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be difficult for them because there's been for Alpine because there's been all these rumours about Gasly of joining them next season. But actually, in terms of performance, there's actually no reason for them to move Ocon or on at, at this point. So it'd be very harsh at this stage if they were to replace him with Gasly. Mm, absolutely and it wouldn't make sense to perhaps if there's one driver and another thought I would say this that they may have to look at what they do longer term with him is Fernando Alonso once again it does seem that you know against our better wishes I suppose of the Fernando coming back to Formula One it does seem that he is just not able to get the pace out of this car compared to his younger 
and less experienced teammate Esteban Ocon. Luke, do you feel perhaps that this we're starting to see the first signs that this return from Fernando Alonso may be a bad idea, perhaps all due respect, perhaps worse than the Schumacher return for Mercedes. How, how do you feel things are going for Fernando? I, I, I just couldn't believe at the end of the race where he finished. Was it 17th? I think, yeah. In the end, Fernando. It was only uh, the two Husses that finished behind him. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, he, he probably just gave up in the end because there was that bit of a battle. Um, was it the last five or 10 laps? I think there was a scuffle for that last point. Hmm. Um you know, and in the end, I was just bringing back the flashback memories of him on the radio saying FP2 engines or something like that. Yeah, GP2, like, yeah. GP2, that's it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, I mean, as a fan's point of view, of course, you want Fernando Alonso in the sport because, you know, multiple time world champion, you know, his character, you know, he's a great driver. He'll always be a Formula One legend. But did, did we really expect Alonso to be, you know, uh, pushing sort of further up the field. I, I don't know. Maybe being out of sport for a long time does affect it. But obviously to be behind Ocon for this race today, I um, mean, his home Grand Prix as well, which would be a bit more disappointing for him. But, um, you know, there's no there's no question that Fernando can easily bring it back for the next race and, you know, future races to come. So, you know, it's a disappointing, disappointing result for him today. Um, I mean, fortunately, he finished in front of both Hasses today, so like, that'd have been a bit more embarrassing for his performance today. But um, yeah, I, I expect Alonso to come back to Monaco and and to do well. But um, and especially, he does need a big performance to be in front of his teammate next week. But you know, fair play to Ocon for his result today. Yeah, I mean, there's no questioning Fernando's drive and determination to try and get the most out of this return to Formula One. He himself whilst hopeful that he could be in a car that could compete for podiums and race wins and maybe even a championship in 2022, it does seem right now that perhaps we are starting to see that you need to have a bit more than just determination and everything else. At his age and obviously, you know, coming back to the sport after a few years out, it does seem that perhaps he's not able to extract that extremely high level of performance that we're so often associated with Fernando Alonso. Um, Courtney, I mentioned the return that Michael Schumacher had in the Mercedes, which of course wasn't as spectacular as we all hoped it would be with the exception of perhaps Valencia uh, in 2012, where he got the podium there. And of course, pole position at Monaco, which was taken away from him. Uh, Is there a fear that we may end up going down something similar to a degree where we just don't want Fernando's legacy to be tarnished by this, but there's a fear that it could potentially be? Well, yeah, I mean, we've, you can't just base it on one performance, but if he carries on like this, then we are going to be seeing similarities to Schumacher's turn because he must be approaching 40 now. Yeah, I think like, he's 39. Surely... He's younger than what Michael was when Michael came back. So I think mm. Michael was 41. So, but that aside, yeah, yeah. So, you know, the, there are hallmarks there, but yeah, as like Luke, Luke already stated, like, you, don't, you don't want to be seeing like drivers like that sort of go out the back door in that way. So hopefully he can turn it around because it looks like we do have an exciting midfield battle there. So you want to be seeing all these drivers on top of the game. It just seems like that generation, I think, like our, sort of our, our, our main generation, sort of like the Lewis Hamiltons, Sebastian Vettels, Fernando Alonso. It's sad just to see drivers that were like at the very top a few years ago sort of like struggling down towards the bottom. 
That's why Arsenal won't go back for Arsene Wenger. They don't want to ruin his tar- like, tarnishes. Yeah. Well, don't speak too soon. Um, <laughs> but that, that being said, yeah, I mean, it's weird because we talk about Lewis and Lewis is 36. So mm. he's not that much younger than Fernando Alonso, but it shows the quality of driver Lewis is and, and what it takes, I suppose, to be consistent and dedicated in a sport like Formula One, you can't just walk away from it and then come back. I mean, Raikkonen did for a season. And obviously, you know, we ended up with a second coming, if you like, of Kimi Raikkonen. But um, in this case, perhaps uh, I, I don't want Fernando to have to end his career in the way that I fear that this may go. But unless Alpine produce something that really works for him in 2022 and he can perform on a regular basis at the level that Ocon clearly is showing at the moment, there is that fear that that could be the reality. There's hope for better days for Fernando, but it certainly was not the homecoming that he would have expected today. Um, let's talk about AlphaTauri. Again, a mixed bag for them because, you know, I said on the preview that there was a fear that AlphaTauri may have already missed their best opportunity at getting big points this season. And it does seem that that may be the case. But nonetheless, Pierre Gasly, once again, for the second race in a row, managing to sneak into the points, despite having a strange race for Pierre Gasly. He started the race outside or a little bit ahead of his grid slot, which got him a five-second time penalty. Ended up at the back of the field because of a long pit stop under the safety car. But that being said, he fought his way through the field rather well and was rewarded with a point. Um, So not a bad end of the day for him. Courtney, would you say? Well, yeah, Gasly's another driver that's getting the very best out of the package that he has. And obviously, given the circumstances that he went through, oh, sorry about that. <laughs> given the circumstances that he went through, technical issues. Yeah, given the circumstances he went through, he'd done, um, he'd done well. But Pierre Gasly's in the stage of his career where he must be thinking, am I going to get another shot at a big team? Because right now, he's sort of having, he's sort of in the middle of nowhere. And really, at this stage, he should be looking at a big move because he has the ability. We saw it in Monza last year. And I just do. I just, I just hope he's able to get a big move because he's he's recovered from the from the troubles he had at Red Bull. So, yeah, yeah, he definitely does another go with a big team. Yeah, he's very much gone under the radar this season, Pierre Gassi. And that may not necessarily be a bad thing, but I'm sure that there are people very much watching what he does this season with the consideration perhaps bringing him into their team next season. We'll have to wait and see how things go, but there's going to be so much speculation regarding his future. You can tell. So hopefully Pierre's able to keep that up. Luke, I'm surprised you managed to contain yourself there with that moment from <laughs> Courtney, where he's for the benefit of those listening on, instead of watching this podcast, Courtney's camera dropped um, on the floor. So he was obviously adjusting that whilst being professional and carrying on with his analysis, which is always good for me. I'm surprised Luke just didn't react and go, Whoa. Listen, I, <laughs> no, I was expecting it was, it. it was either that, or to be honest, that was, it was one of two things. It was either, you know, Arsenal season just crumbling down. I have to get the football point in. Or secondly, Courtney, you've got your, probably you put your camera in front of a line. He's he's afraid he's going to get a penalty like Gasly did today. Obviously, parking his car there. It's probably where your camera. And Fernandez <laughs> gets to take it. Yeah, yeah, Fernandez. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, just I mean, my sort of I mean, just quickly my point on Gasly. I think as Courtney mentioned, if the, the debates with Alpine for next year. It'd be harsh for Ocon because I think Ocon's done very well, but I mean, is it is it right probably that Alpine would want a double French team like Ocon and and Gasly next year? So if Alonso does move, um, that could be something that they would want. Um, possibly, 
I mean, Sonoda was a bit unlucky today. Obviously, the engine just cutting out on him. Um, that's a way moment, like, you know, literally <laughs> as he's driving along, it just cuts out. Because um, it happened to Leclerc, didn't it? Was it last year? Like, on the end of... Um, yeah. You know, mm. so there's, there must be a curse in Spain. It just picks someone and the, the, the engine just cuts out. <laughs> but um, overall, I mean, Gazi will, you know, will take a points finish. That five-second penalty was bad for him because he could have maybe finished a bit further up the field. Difference in strategies, maybe. But, um, yeah, hopefully Alpha Tauri... You know they'll they'll pick up the pieces in the next race and they'll be higher up the field, which I think they should be, to be honest. Yeah, I mean Yuki Tsunoda, you just mentioned, obviously not a great day for him. Not hasn't been a good weekend for Yuki Tsunoda. I mean, he was brilliant in Bahrain preseason testing. He was a star, but as the season has gone on in these early stages, it seems that there are some frustrations and a lot of angst behavior coming from him and to the point where he was very vocally on the radio criticizing the car after qualifying when he didn't get through q1 to such a degree where it was quite uncomfortable to listen to and you're just thinking yuki you know you can't be saying those things in your rookie season um and you know we love yuki he's certainly not shy he certainly wears his heart on his sleeve but i think he needs to be a bit more mindful about what he says in those heat of the moment moments if you like um he had to release a statement to apologize for what he said but um what happened in his race certainly would not have helped him um i'm aware of times so we'll move on to the next team let's talk about aston martin now aston martin brought upgrades support to to help stroll and then of course they brought the other upgrades for vettel for this weekend qualifying it did seem like perhaps they might be on the fringes of the top 10 and perhaps maybe challenge in the race ultimately despite the best efforts of lance stroll and sebastian vettel once again they came home pointless in this race courtney I'm going to ask this question again because I feel like I'm asking this. I'm going to be asking this on a regular basis until Aston Martin announced this formally. But are we already at the point where Aston Martin may have to sacrifice the rest of this season and concentrate on 2022 in order to be at the front? Because unlike Mercedes, they just cannot seem to get on terms with these new regulations. And they're a long way from competing yeah. from where we expected them to be in the, in the top three teams. I look at Aston Martin and also. Alfa Romeo. This season, they're probably the most forgettable teams out there. They're probably like making the least impact on the championship, even with Sebastian Vettel and Kimi Räikkönen driving for those two teams respectively. You almost forget that they're there. You know, like obviously we've gone to Williams a little bit later. They have like moments where they're flirting with like the top ten to be a big headline maker. Yeah, for, for Aston Martin, you know, we all know the regulations hurt them and they're not happy about it, but they are having a really forgettable season. I think pointless is probably the best way to describe it, actually, Adam. You said pointless. Their performance today was pretty much pointless. Mm. Yeah, no, no, that's, that's fair way. I mean, Luke, anything to add on that regarding Aston Martin? Courtney, you summed it up, mate. Uh, it's, uh, I mean, I, I just, I just, everyone's expect, everyone was expecting Aston Martin, as you said, to be up there and fighting for points. I mean, today, you're right, they were fighting for that last point at the end, but Again, just I forgot they were driving today. I didn't, I didn't realise that Stroll and Vettel were, were out there. Um, I was waiting for Vettel to make a mistake to actually say that he's out there, you know, you know, because that's how it was today, to be honest, to see if he was still... But all jokes aside, um, very, very disappointing weekend for Aston Martin. Um, and they do need to pick it up in the next few races. Otherwise, yeah, I agree with you. Maybe next year is the way to go for them. Yeah, I mean, they're in the gaggle of cars fighting for a point towards the end of the race. Ultimately, they were unsuccessful, strolled very nearly getting there. 
Um, he had that incident, of course, where he went very wide trying to overtake Alonso. Then he had to let him back through, but not quite following the rules in terms of how to rejoin the track. Ultimately, as far as we're aware, and I might have updated the news on this since we recorded this, but he got away with it. Um, but again, unsuccessful. I mean, I'm really, you know, one thing I'm missing. And I don't mean this to be a meme or a parody or anything, but I am missing those radio f- messages from Sebastian Vettel complaining about blue flags. <laughs> I never thought I'd, I'd never thought I'd miss it, but strangely I do. Um, so hopefully Aston can get themselves up the field. I mean, you know, we did the end of season reviews and we talk about who the biggest disappointment is going to be. I, I have to say they're pretty much the leading candidates yeah, for that. Absolutely. And, the only championship they're going to be winning this season or the only contest they're going to be winning this season is a beauty contest with their car because it's certainly not as quick as it is good looking, unfortunately. So hopefully for better days for them. Um, let's skim through. You, you said pointless. Um, not really too much to make on Alfa Romeo's race today. Raikkonen was on an alternate strategy today, ended up finishing 12. So again, Kimi, solid as Kimi is, even though we do suspect it will be his last season in Formula One. Um, Giovinazzi, very good in qualifying, getting into Q2 for the first time this season. So congratulations to him on that. But his race was, again, very, very tepid for the most part, except for when he pitted under the safety car. Um, one of his tyres was punctured um, as they were about to put it on. So the mechanic had to run back in with his tyre and then come out with another one. He'd lost about 40 seconds. But if you're going to have a bad pit stop like that, you're going to do it under a safety car. So unless either of you have got anything to add on Alfa Romeo, I'll... Skip through no, to that the was that the the puncture was a highlight of their race. Yeah. Very forgettable <laughs> yet again. I forgot. I just, yeah, I wanted um uh, in that situation. I wanted to, obviously the race at the start was okay with you know the, the overtake at the start, but I just wanted one of them to fall over. I really did. <laughs> um, as they were as they were going to get the tire, um, I just wanted something to happen there. But yeah, it, it was disappointing for Alfa Romeo. Giovinazzi was unlucky there, but yeah, another one of those. Like I forgot they were there today, to be honest. But um, we can't we can't think about Kimi and you know his uh his radio as he spoke about Adam with radio with Vettel. I mean Raikkonen is just the uh the highlight of it, and we're not going to repeat it. But the video about oh you miss Pele, oh, oh God, yeah. <laughs> I love I love Kimi. Yeah, I, love I mean it. I mean the Kimi the Kimi highlight reel is going to be more about stuff he says rather than stuff he does in the car. You'd never Steering think wheel. he was a Formula Steering One wheel. driver, but yeah. I, I mean, I, I will say for context, guys, for those of you who are wondering why Luke mentioned someone falling over, not that we want to see people do that. Luke's favorite Grand Prix in Formula One history is the 2011 Canadian Grand Best Prix. Best race of all time. Two reasons why, and it has nothing to do with Jensen Button's drive to win on the final lap from where he started. Two reasons. One, there was a safety car period where one of the marshals fell over and had to jump on twice. the floor yeah <laughs> twice he had to jump out of the way to avoid i think it was nick highfield or one of the marushas back in the day then and the second reason because there was a shot where there was a cameraman and when you go to the races in america and canada you see a lot of the celebrities or the movie stars or singers and that always come out uh, in their hordes every year and i think this year we that year we had rihanna walking through the pit lane whilst we were i think like during one of the safety coverage or something like that and Rihanna was walking through in the paddock and there was a cameraman walking backwards as he's filming her and he fell over as well. And that was caught on F1 TV as well. Luke sent me those videos on an average of tw- once or twice a week. It's such, as a if- that, it's such a shame that Canada's not a, not a race this year because you'll be getting the videos all the time. Oh my God. Like, as, as, like he sent them to me as if like I've never seen them before. I'm like, I Are literally- they sent without, without context? Because I hope they're sent without context. You just randomly get... Well, I mean, 
if you haven't, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just look at the 2011 Grand Prix, just type Marshall Falls Over. I'm sure someone's put it on YouTube because Luke's <laughs> found the video. I'll leave a link if you like to that video if you're interested. <laughs> anyway, let's move on to the final teams. Williams. Um, I mean, we said in the preview, corner that this could potentially be a race where really Williams might do well mm. with their peaky downforce philosophy. And there was a moment in the race where despite things looking bleak for Williams, that George Russell was half a second off Alonso fighting for the points. I saw that. Where the hell did that come from? <laughs> but then you looked a couple of laps later and he was down to 15. Yeah, he just got bogged down by yeah. the, that gaggle of cars fighting, unfortunately for George. But, um, I mean, where do Williams go this season? Because it seems that their philosophy already looks pretty flawed. We suspected it would, but I don't know. I just... As more races go on this season, I know it's still early days, I feel like they're going to be battling Huss more often than battling for points this season. It's already happening. I mean, the first stint of the race, neither of them could get past Mick Schumacher until the safety car. Oh, don't. If they're down there with Haas, then I think, I think Williams should just completely give up and look at next season. I'll just, I'll just see, this seems like George Russell's cursed. It, yeah. really, it really seems... He needs, he needs to get out of that team because... His, his, his reputation is going to start becoming damaged if Williams keep on performing like this. Yeah, there is a worry. And uh, Latifi, again, finishing 16th. I don't think we could have expected more than that. But um, it, it just seems that Latifi does what he needs to do for Williams. But right now, it's hard to say where the performance of that car is right now. I mean, perhaps Williams do need to look for the future drivers like I was talking on a podcast the other day um, that mentioned Roy Nassani, but of course, Roy Nassani needs to get that super license, which he doesn't have yet. So maybe Jack Aitken or Dan Tickton, you know, might fancy a go next season. It might be a good option to look at them too, maybe if George Russell moves on to Mercedes, like a lot of us feel he would. Um, let's round this off with Haas. Mick Schumacher, once again, probably did the best that he could have done in this race. Um, wouldn't you say, Luke? Yeah, I think I think Mick Schumacher, as Courtney said earlier, I think he's you know he's trying to get the best out of that car, and hopefully next season, if he's not at Haas, you know he might jump with Alfa Romeo if Raikkonen retires, or you know it'd be a good move for him. But Adam, I do have to bring it up because um, you know history, as you say about my favourite races, um, I think Williams should be a bit disappointed because um, you know twenty twelve Maldonado winning that race, you know um, it's obviously something that would not. I mean, brilliant race that was. Um, How yeah. could I forget the goat himself? <laughs> if you've not seen Maldonado's greatest achievements, please go on YouTube and just. I'm not look. putting down links for every single video we recommend here. That's going to get copyrighted and everything else. Just no, not in all seriousness, I think. Um, I mean, just going to your point, Courtney, very quickly about Williams. I think George Russell will be a Mercedes driver next year. Um, so I don't think he'd have nothing to worry about for me. Um, but with Haas, um, I mean, we've got the new Maldonado in Mazepin. Um, you know, again, just goes around and just does what he likes. Gets um, people's way. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And then Toto Wolf, you hear it? I've never heard that before. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've never, radio. I've, I've never seen that graphic before. But do you know what? As soon as I saw it, I thought, yeah, I know who this is about. Toto Wolf's <laughs> going to talk about Mazepin. I'm like, do you know, the guy gets a lot of criticism, whether he deserves it or not is up for debate. I'm not going to weigh in on that argument. I think we've said enough on that. But, you know, th this was a guy that said, I just let my talking do the drive, uh, let my driving do the talking. And um, yeah, it's not really a lot. It's not a good thing at the moment. What's going on? He's for a guy that I think a lot of people believed he was going to be a danger to some people. 
because of how what he was going to do in a slow car. The last couple of races, he's starting to show that. And I feel like, you know, hopefully it gets better. And with enough practice, it probably will. But he's not doing himself any favours. The best thing he can do is what Mick's doing and just get his head down, drive his race. And, you know, you can do a lot of good just by keeping a clean nose and just driving the race you well. I mean, we're talking Alonso in the Minardi back in 2001, Senna in the Tolman in the early 80s. You know, drivers like that, when they start off in those cars where the back of the field, you can still do a lot of good by just keeping a clean race and doing well and improving bit by bit. And that's what Mick Schumacher is doing very much so. Really impressive stuff. But Mazepin, once again, not only is he proven to be a bit of a burden to some drivers, but he's also slow. I mean, what was it? 50 seconds behind his teammate today? Um, Yeah, that's not a good sign. Uh, He very much struggled towards the end of the race as well for managing his tyres. But as I said, I digress on that. Um, I think this is as good a time to wrap this up. Um, We've got the Monaco Grand Prix, of course, in two weeks' time. So a bit of a break. And of course, we will have a podcast for you very, very soon in between all that before the preview. Of course, thank you to our special guest, Luke, joining me on the podcast uh, from 1892 Reds Podcast. Make sure to check them out if you're a Liverpool or even a football fan themselves. Definitely check them out on YouTube. Leave a link below in the description. And of course, Courtney, thank you for joining us once again on the DNF1 F1 podcast and co-hosting with me. Always a pleasure, mate. Always a pleasure. Brilliant stuff. And of course, guys, for those of you who are just subscribing to the channel, thank you so much for everyone who has recently joined the DNF1 family. We're hoping at some point to get to 1,000 subscribers. It might be an ambitious target by the end of the year, but we're very close to 300. So please, 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 if you haven't already, please consider hitting that subscribe button, like the video if you have enjoyed it. But until then, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Please stay safe, and we will see you in the next episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast. Take care. See you soon. Podcast Network.